Shalom and welcome to The Jewish Mind, where the growth of modernity meets the timeless wisdom and solutions of Judaism. There is a movie called Peaceful Warrior, based on a fictionalized memoir by Dan Millman called Way of the Peaceful Warrior. While I was taking online writing courses, the teacher asked for us to write on why we chose to write fiction. And my answer was, because fiction is the best way to tell a true story. This is what Dan Millman does in his fictionalized memoirs concerning his own life struggle in being a gymnast who overcomes a motorcycle accident which left him with a shattered right femur. This, the very notion of a peaceful warrior, is an oxymoron. Peaceful people aren't warriors, and warriors aren't peaceful. Yes, there are warriors who fight for no other reason than to protect liberty and peace, but their life is a life of war against enemies of peace and liberty. In addiction recovery meetings, there is a chip system in which people pick up chips to denote their length of sobriety. The first chip is the white chip in which you are told to give up the fight and pick up a white. The the addict has been fighting with his addiction trying to stop for so long and in recovery the first thing he is told is that he has to give up the fight to stop drinking, drugging, sexing or whatever the addiction is. What he is being told is that he has to become a peaceful warrior or he will lose the war over and over again. Why so? The Alter Rebbe in Tanya explains it with a simple quote of the Talmud. I quote, If the Almighty did not help him, he could not overcome his evil inclination. Well, how do we invite the Almighty and his blessing of help into our life? The conclusion of the entire Talmud answers this question. And I quote, Rabbi Shimon ben Chalafta said, The Holy One, blessed be he, found no vessel that can sufficiently hold the blessing for Israel save for peace. As the verse says, Hashem will give strength to his nation, Hashem will bless his nation with peace. Now, all my life, I only thought that this Mishnah speaks of getting along with others, and it took much study of Hasidus on the level in which it is a guide and a way of a life for a person who consistently has two antithetical screeching voices in his head. The Mishnah is speaking of peace within self inasmuch as it is speaking of peace with others. Rabbi Shalom Dover Lubavitch states in his discourse called Helchaltu that he who is not at peace with themselves will not be able to even embrace nature's genetic love and peace one has for their own spouse and children. Thus ultimately the only vessel for having God and his blessing of help in our lives is to have peace with oneself. Majority of our generation is either at war or in a state of complacency, either is to live without God's blessing of help in our lives, and without God's help, he could not overcome his evil inclination. In this lecture, based on a mimer of the Rebbe in 1988 on the impact of commandment performance, we will learn how to give up the fight and live in the light. To this week's Torah portion, which speaks of the Jewish people coming into the exile of Egypt, the Ashkenazic custom is to read the Haftorah in Isaiah, which begins with the verse, I quote, Those who came, whom Jacob caused to take root. Israel flourished and blossomed, and they filled the face of the world with fruitage. End quote. There are different interpretations to what those who came, who Jacob caused to take root, means. 
Rabbi Yonasim ben Uziel, in his interpretation of the Torah text, states, They will gather from their exile and return to their land. There will be born of the house of Jacob. According to this interpretation, Isaiah is speaking of the era of the final redemption through Mashiach, when there will be the revelation, birth, take root, of the source of the soul. The Hebrew word for source and root is the same, shoresh, for the root of the tree is the source of the tree and all that it will produce. In this interpretation, the words Yashresh Yaakov, whom Jacob calls to take root, means the revelation of the soul. Rabbi Shneir Zaman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe in his book of Discourses on Shemot, defines the verse to be speaking of God sowing his seed, so to speak, into the womb of God's wife, the Jewish people. The seed of God, so to speak, is referring to the 613 commandments that God gave us in the Torah. Thus, Mount Sinai served as a chuppah, a marriage canopy, under which God wed us, and God giving us His Torah and commandments was God placing His seed, so to speak, within us. We will discuss further on what the offspring of this impregnation is. Thus, in this teaching, Yashush Yaakov is referring to God rooting within us God's commandments. The connection between these two interpretations on the very same word of the verse is that all the revelations of the soul, first interpretation, that will take place in the Messianic era is an outcome of the commandments that we perform now in exile, second interpretation. And now for the list of the mystical concepts we need to explore in order to understand this lecture. A. Those who came, according to the second interpretation. B. The offspring, revelation of soul essence. C. The offspring, revelation of transformation of evil. D. The peaceful warrior. And let the amazement of Hasidus begin. Those who came according to the second interpretation. For the second interpretation in which God roots within the Jewish people his commandments, let us explore what the opening words of the verse, those who came, mean. The Alter Rebbe explains that it refers to the opening words of our Torah portion. These are the name of the sons of Jacob, those who came to Egypt. Our sages tell us that our exile in Egypt served as the smelting pot in a refinery through which precious metal is refined from all foreign and coarse objects. This refinery process is often referred to as the plowing of the land, so that the land be soft, open, and ready to receive the seas, from which, from which it must bring forth trees and produce. So too, the exile of Egypt was the refinery and the plowing of God's precious wife and of God's land of desire, the Jewish people, so that God can then plant his seed of Torah mitzvot within us. The Alter Rebbe then goes on and adds that so too it is with our present exile, which is the preparation to the essence teachings of the Torah, which Mashiach will teach us. Now, there is a big difference between the two interpretations here. When we speak of those who came to Egypt, we are speaking of the plowing and the refining of the Jewish people before God roots and plants within us God's seed. Egypt took place before Mount Sinai. However, according to the interpretation that this refers to our present exile, we are speaking of the refining process once the seed is already within us, after the Mount Sinai revelation. 
Now, even though Mashiach will teach an unprecedented level of revelation of Torah, of which even Moses will become a student of Mashiach, nevertheless, God already rooted the Torah and its commandments within us. Mashiach is not bringing us a new Torah, God forbid. Mashiach is only revealing the essence of Torah within the Torah that we received over 3,300 years ago. In other words, according to the interpretation that the verse is speaking of the Egyptian exile, the words, those who came, are a preparation before receiving the commandments. According to the interpretation that the verse is speaking of our present exile, the verse is not speaking of a preparation before receiving the commandments, but rather those who came is speaking of part and parcel of the rooting process of the revelation of commandments. Let us take this to the next dimension. Within the commandments there that we perform post-God rooting them within us at Mount Sinai, there are two stages. Those we performed in the times of the Holy Temple and freedom within our land, which is around 1,300 years in total, and those commandments that we perform during our present exile, a bit under 2,000 years in total. The difference between these two categories of commandment observance, those in the times of peace and prosperity and those in the times of suffering and war of survival, is the offspring that they each produce. The offspring is the revelation of the light of God. However, each pregnancy, that of times of peace and tranquility, and that of times of suffering and fighting for survival, each produce a different offspring. The offspring of the commandments that the Jewish people performed in the times of the Holy Temple is the revelation of soul essence. The first interpretation of Jonas and Benaziel to the words Yashrish Yaakov, revelation of the soul. Torah and its study is the revelation of the infinite wisdom of God, blessed be He. Torah is intellect and we study and understand God's Torah. Wisdom is the first emanation of the evolution order from the infinite to the finite. Thus, Torah study brings about the revelation of the infinite light as it is already transformed into the order of evolution known as Seder Hishtal Shalut. It is true that the Alter Rebbe quotes his teacher, Rabdov Berv Mizrich, that the humility and transparency of wisdom allows it to house the infinite light itself. However, at the end of the day, wisdom and everything that flows through it is all part of the transformed infinite light of Seder Hishtalshalot, the order of evolution. Commandments are the will of God, and even more so, the physical performance of commandments connect us with and reveal the essence, which is the revelation of the essence core of our soul, truly a piece of essence of God. That's what the essence core of our soul is. However, this revelation that commandment performance brings about depends upon the state of the person fulfilling the commandment. In other words, this revelation can only happen when the person is performing the commandment with absolute humility, void of any ulterior intentions, and void of any sense of self. This absolute humility of the egocentric human creature cannot be brought about from within the mind and heart of the egocentric human creature. In the times of the Holy Temple, there was a very real and tangible revelation of God, as God transcended above and beyond any limitations of nature. For example, the person would stand on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem on a windy day holding onto his hat while seeing that the pillar of smoke upon the altar in the open courtyard was ascending straight up without being blown in any direction. The same sense of being in the presence of God took place every holiday. 
when the courtyard was completely packed with no moving room, and suddenly, as the time came to bow, every person suddenly found that he was able to bow spaciously. These tangible, physical experiences of God's presence cracked the ego and allowed for performing God's commandments with total humility and transparency, with no interference of a sense of self at all. This experience of absolute humility can only be experienced in the face of God when the body sees and experiences that which the mind simply cannot comprehend. Thus, this is the offspring of only the commandments performed in the peaceful times of the Holy Temple. Now let us see the offspring of the commandments that we have been performing for the last 2,000 years in exile under the persecution of the Spanish Inquisition, the pogroms, the Shoah, and terrorism. The power of commandment performance is that it engages with the physical, the very fiber of ego arrogance to the point of rebellion. The verse in Psalm states, The heavens are heavens of God, but the earth He gave to the children of men. The universe appears to be that heaven and spirituality belongs to God. However, earth and all of the physicality seems to be the domain of our pursuit of indulgence and pleasure. And so it was, until God's commandments began to bring the physical domain into openly belonging to God. This happens through making a blessing before we eat, giving charity from the money we earn, putting a mezuzah on our homes, building a synagogue, and all the other commandments of God. From this perspective, we are looking to engage with the physical in its lowest form of arrogance, rebellion, and obnoxiousness to the point of, as Paro told Moses, well, who is God that I should listen to him? Thus, this power of commandment performance takes place specifically when we are in exile under the expression of the absolute ego, arrogance, and rebellion of the physical in defining itself as a separate identity with an attitude of, who is God that I should listen to him? What is the offspring of this form of commandment observance? There is a verse from King Solomon in Ecclesiastes, And I saw that wisdom has an advantage over folly as the advantage of light over darkness. Now simply speaking, King Solomon is saying that there is darkness and there is light, and there is the advantage of light over darkness. However, in the teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, there is the focus on the exact Hebrew wording of the verse, which reads as the advantage of light from darkness. Thus, we interpret the verse to mean that there are two types of light. There is the light, and then there is the light which comes from darkness, which means the light of transformed darkness. To understand this in brief, A. Everything is God and God is everything. Thus, darkness too is God. B. Light is expression and revelation. Thus, of the essence of God, King David says, He made darkness his hiding place about him as his booth. For essence defies expression and revelation. C. This darkness of the essence of God expresses itself in the darkness of the physical. For all of spirituality comes from the infinite light of God, while the physical can come only from the essence of God. And then finally, D, thus, the transformation of darkness of the physical through commandment performance under the tyranny, oppression, and exile of the full-blown arrogance and rebellion of the darkness of the physical is the revelation of the ultimate essence of God, not just the infinite light of God. This light, which is the revelation of the as the advantage of light from darkness is the offspring of commandment performance that we are performing now in exile. 
Nevertheless, the fact is that the ultimate revelation of commandment performance is not the war with evil and the removal of darkness. Rather, it is the revelation of the essence connection that a commandment brings between the commander and the performer of the commandment. Thus, the interpretation of the word mitzvah, commandment, is mystically defined as tzafzah v'chibur, connection. For the ultimate reward of the mitzvah is the essence connection that it brings us to have with God. This ultimate connection will happen in the messianic era where our very flesh will see God. This absolute fulfillment of the essence connection of the commandment is also built upon our commandment observance today, meaning in our times of exile. Thus, ultimately, even in our present times of exile, we must perform the commandments not only as the warrior engaged in a war with darkness, but also as the peaceful warrior who connects with the light of a commandment through absolute humility and transparency. How can we do this in the times of exile, suffering, poverty, and terrorism? The answer is twofold. One, it is specifically in the times of persecution that our sages have created and revealed to us a greater light of the Torah. The Talmud, the Tosefta, and Baraitos, and much more were all revealed and composed specifically in the times of exile, through which we can now connect, even in exile, with the light and peace of Torah. Second of all, think good and it will be good. The great Baal Shem Tov taught, there where your mind is, there you are. A prince is a prince even in prison. Greater yet, the prince in prison, through the power of his think-good, can choose whether while in prison he will be there in prison or, or whether he will be there in the freedom and palace of his father, the king. So it is with each and every one of us, on a metaphysical level, on a spiritual level, on an intellectual level, on an emotional level, and thus even on a physical level, we create our reality, whether we are living in the war of exile or whether we are already living in the peace of redemption. In closing, one of the biggest mistakes that any teacher can make when dealing with a rebellious student, any parent can make when dealing with an angry child, any person can make when dealing with a distressed ex-spouse, or when dealing with anybody who is emotionally altered is to get into the kid's sandbox with him or her. The better process is to bring the other out of their dysfunctional sandbox into a higher plane of existence. I have a friend in Los Angeles who once shared that during a bitter moment with his wife, she told him, Don't bring me down to your level, rather rise up to my level. Those simple words, said not with venom of attack and belittlement, but rather in humble truthfulness, took the sand out of his hair and ears and brought him to a higher plane of being. When the Jewish people were looking back in a panic at the ensuing Egyptian army, God answered, Move forward! You are on the way to Mount Sinai to enter into a higher relationship with me, to enter into a higher plane of spiritual living. Why then are you looking back at the dysfunctional Pharaoh and his army? This is what God was telling us. Maybe we can apply the story of Lot's wife here as well. That when you look back, entering into the war zone of dysfunctionality and darkness, you connect to it and you become it. Thus, the lesson here is to always be a peaceful warrior, always living in the think good and in the priesthood, even if temporarily we find ourselves in the environment of a prison. 
This is a choice we make, consciously or not. The peaceful warrior way of spirituality is to give up the fight and to live in the light, through Torah study and through thinking good. We simply take back our mind, our emotions, and our reality from the sandbox of our enemy and choose to live in the light of goodness and God. Friends, modernity offers growth and growth comes with challenges. Judaism offers timeless divine solutions. Here at the platform of the Jewish mind is where modernity meets Judaism.